Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler. PaulWinkler.com is our website, and I have in here with me today, Chad Henson. He works up in the Goodlettsville office. He's a chartered special needs consultant. I think I nailed it. Got it. <laughs> it's one of those degrees that I didn't get. <laughs> I got lots of them, but I didn't get all of them. <laughs> oh, man. So it's... Good to just talk about this because I think it's uh, it's a big topic right now. Very important dealing with if you got a child that you know just what do we do? You know when we get older and they're still dependent upon us. Maybe there's a mental disability, maybe a physical disability, uh, you know whatever. And making sure that the child is okay. So we talked about having special needs trust. Now what does that do? So special needs trust, like I said, it it shelters the assets so that they're not assets of the child. So it lets them gives them the ability to still qualify for government benefits. Um, there are restrictions. So who decides if the money comes out? How the money comes out? So there's a trustee of, for okay. the trust. Um, that, and is that a person or a company? Yes. Best case, <laughs> it can either it's, be. It's either. it's a yes. It's going to be one of the it two. But either. best case scenario is that it is a person. You know, if, and the reason know, being that if it's a person, hopefully it's somebody that knows that knows the family yes. and the situation and can make decisions a based on that. Person would be nice. Yes. Yeah. Not not your older sibling. No, not your older sibling. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So. But that could be a problem. Somebody might not have anybody that they trust. Yeah, and in that situation, you know, t- typically what you'll do. And of course, I'm not a lawyer. I don't draw these things up. Right. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But typically what you'll do is you'll name someone to be the trustee. And then there's always a successor trustee. And you kind of go down the line until there's nobody left. And then at that point, you're looking at a corporate trustee so who's a professional ha- that, that you know, does this. But the disadvantage to that is there's two disadvantages. One, they don't know the family mm-hmm. and the, the child or the adult. Um, and then two, you know, it costs money. It's expensive. Expensive. Yeah, exactly. So when the, now, how does the family member constantly monitor the person and say, Hey, it looks like you need a little bit of money this month to do this because you know, your toothbrush is, is, uh, 10 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So it really depends. (laughs) Yes. The answer to that question is yes. The trustee is responsible for the trust uh-huh. and that it's being uh, adhered to by the the trust documents. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically, let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm hitting you with questions that people are out there are gonna be thinking. So the trust documents are gonna say that money can be dispersed for what reasons? Usually, they're go- it's going to be dependent on whether or not the person with the disability is on government assistance or not. So if there's no need for government assistance, then the trust can be drawn up much more liberal, and, you know, because money can be spent on whatever, you know, the the uh, the grantor to the trust, the person who creates the trust, uh, deems is 
Okay, so, for, so making necessary. sure we have lodging, making sure we have food, making sure that food, we shelter, health transportation, transportation. Possibly. You know, all of those things are no brainers. But you can write it as strict or as liberal as you so want. You can't to. go give it to your. You know, you can't can't do it because your friend needs a loan. Correct. Uh, the, yeah. the the disabled person's friend needs a loan or something like right. that. So you can restrict it and protect it in that way. But it is more restrictive if the the person with the disability is on government benefits because there are only certain things that it can be used to pay for without disqualifying you for benefits. Right. See, I, you would think there would be a fine line. And what types of things do you normally see for that? So it's going to be like health and maintenance is going to be, you know, accessible. Um, the one things, you know, things you can't do is, you know, you can't just give them spending money because that's considered, in if you give them cash mm -hmm. to spend, mm -hmm. that's going to be considered income and can disqualify them from benefits. Um, you can even do vacations out of it. You know, it, oh, wow. anything that benefits the beneficiary of the trust. Okay. So, but like you said, you can't give a loan to your friend because it has no benefit to the beneficiary. Right, 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 right. And so, but there are housing restrictions and everything. So that, the house, okay, when you say housing restrictions, what do you mean by that? So like far as paying, you know, like it they gets can't live really in the complex. Well, yeah, exactly. You, you know, can't have a Ferrari and <laughs> things of that nature. It's got to be reasonable and all. Okay, so so that but those can be provisions yeah. even on government assistance. You can have some base level of transportation or something like Correct. that. Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, as long as it's benefiting the beneficiary of the trust, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there are able accounts as well that mm -hmm. are more liberal on what the money can be spent on and still not disqualify you from benefits too. That's a whole nother topic that we haven't broached yet. And I don't want to just, it's just putting it out there that it's available and that's something that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, now the w things that you have to be concerned about with trust are that, you know, let's say, let's say, um, you know, my wife and I, we have a child that has special needs. Uh, we both have sizable IRAs, mm -hmm. pre-tax, you know, money mm -hmm. that was put away in a 401k or something like that. And we make the trust the beneficiary. Well, you know, you have the stretch rule still in effect where you can stretch it out over the beneficiary's lifetime if they have a special, you know, special needs situation. Right, that's one of disability. the exceptions, because yeah. otherwise you have that 10-year rule, folks. Right. You know, where if you are a beneficiary of an IRA or non-spouse, you get the 10-year rule. There are some exceptions. That happens to be one of them. Yeah. So you know, if the person's disabled. But even with a stretch where it's stretched out over their life expectancy, you know, and you have to take your required distribution each year, that amount can be enough that it could disqualify you from benefits. Now, if you're in a situation where you don't need the government benefits anyway, it's not a big deal. But if you still need to qualify for the government benefits, then you know, you're going to have to have an accumulation method in the trust. So is that something that you would not make the trust necessarily a beneficiary? Because is it a pass-through where they actually see the child's age that's disabled pass through enough where you can limit the amount that has to come out every year? So you're going to have a situation where, you know, you have to do the best you can in that situation. Let's say, let's say all of your assets are IRAs other than your personal property. Mm -hmm. and you have nothing else to leave mm -hmm. and you only have one child. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, and that, that child is, has a disability, then, you know, 
you can draw up the trust where it accumulates. The problem with that is, though, that trust tax rates. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Which you go to the very top tax bracket at an incredibly low number. It's like thirteen or 14000 I don't even know what the it, – it's a very, very, very yeah, low number. It's, it's very low, and you hit the top tax rate of 37% pretty quickly. Now, you can do a qualified – disability trust which so that's what that's that was the point i was making though let me just bring it back yeah thirteen thousand seven hundred. let me boy that's first pretty close paul (laughs) 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 hadn't looked at that in a long time um you have to guess because it goes up with the cost of living Uh, so you know the thing that um that I was making the point on here is if you make the trust the beneficiary, that's why I was making the point that you may not necessarily want to do that with the IRAs. And, right, right. Now, so what a lot of what some people will do is if they have multiple children, you uh-huh. know, they may leave the IRAs to the children who don't have the disabilities mm-hmm. and leave non-qualified assets into the trust, which Heck would yeah. be like bank accounts, yeah. you know, personal assets that would be sold. Uh, sure. And even the life insurance that we were talking about earlier. So there, and that was it. So that's, uh, let's, let's do this. I want to make sure I've got plenty of time for that. Let's take a quick break and come right back because I do want to, uh, get back to the life insurance thing and then talk a little bit about that. And then the IRAs. And I like this whole strategy because I've used that several times in planning over the years where you split assets and say, hey, you don't have to go. And if you got three kids, split your IRA three ways. You know, you can do it two ways and then take other assets and give to the other. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, it talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. You have your savings and your emergency funds. I talk about that debt, good debt, bad debt. We talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts, talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And uh, hope you enjoy. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler. Chad Henson is certified financial planner, chartered financial needs consultant, and that other income designation that he's got. Chartered retirement needs consultant. Chartered retirement planning counselor. Oh, whatever. <laughs> chartered financial. Yeah, just yeah, whatever. Let's just go on. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be that's the running joke in our office. I can't remember everybody's designations. It's alphabet soup. It is. I was just, I was talking to Bell, Bell K at the at the station, and she he goes, "You guys just do such a great job, just kind of differentiating yourselves." I said, <laughs> "We're like financial planning soup. <laughs> we like it." way I think it all ought to be. Uh, so, so Chad, back to this, um, you know, so when, when we're looking at splitting up, somebody is a special needs child, they have some kind of a medical 
a, a physical, mental, or whatever, some kind of a disability where they're kind of concerned about them taking care of themselves after the parents are gone. Uh, and they have IRAs, they have m maybe multiple kids, and instead of splitting the IRA between the three kids, let's say if they're three, you do the IRA between two kids, and then you take non-qualified assets and give that to the special needs child, uh, or maybe some combination thereof. But in essence, that other money, the non-qualified money, is more easily put into a special needs trust that can be dispersed based on the needs that the child has above what government benefits may be. Correct. Okay. So they do that and you go, well, there's not enough assets for the special needs child. We got to have some more. And what can we do there? Now, there are times, you know, you've heard some people say, financial planners say, there is never a reason to ever have a permanent life insurance policy, whole life or anything like that. And I'm usually in that camp because I'm not a big fan of that type of a policy. Uh, a lot of times they don't make a whole lot of sense. They make more sense for the salesperson than they do you. There may be a case made for it in this and you use their second die. So you have two people, husband, wife, let's say, and you have a policy that only pays out on the second death because presumably you've got one person still left to take care of the special needs child. Correct. And, and, and then the idea is that the second death, there's nobody else to take care of the child and a boatload of money goes into a trust at that point, tax-free. Right. Tax yeah. And so when that money goes in, then you have the trustee, presumably, again, now a family member or a friend or somebody that knows the family. Right. Yep. Yeah, so just a note on why do you use uh, – an additional note on why you use a second-to-die policy. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned the first part of it is because presumably the survivor – you know, is still able to take care. But the other thing is, you know, sometimes you'll have maybe someone has trouble qualifying for life insurance. Oh, great point. And yes. then the third point to that is it's usually less expensive. Uh, that's a, a great, that's a great, great, great point. So, so you got two people and you try to get a life insurance policy on one, they're going, no, we're not issuing anything. But you might be able to get a second to die issued. Correct. Because now you're insuring two people. And... The other reason to throw in there is because you're insuring two people, it's cheaper. It is, yep. The, the cost of life insurance. Because a lot of times when you see these people say, hey, you don't need to use life insurance as your alternative retirement plan or your private pension plan. And the problem is like, uh, yeah, as you get older, life insurance cost becomes really prohibitive and mm -hmm. it eats up the investment return. So yeah. not necessarily such a great idea. Yeah, and that's why we don't recommend, you know, in normal situations, you know, mm -hmm. that someone has life insurance as an investment for their retirement. Right, right, precisely. So that is one thing that is done. Now, the other thing is what kind of planning? I mean, I'm thinking, like, who's going to take care of this child and how do you educate some of the people on some of the needs of the child? Yeah, so, you know, that's a determination that the parent has to make of who's going to care for them once they're gone. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, it's going to be a sibling if they have siblings that are willing to be caretakers. And surprisingly enough, 
you know, what I find is that in cases where there are siblings, the siblings are more than willing to step up because mm-hmm. they've always had that really special connection, mm. you know, with, mm-hmm. with their sibling and everything. And so I rarely see... They rise to the occasion. Yeah, I rarely see where it's like the sibling doesn't want to have anything to do with the situation. They're just almost always willing to step up and, and you know, be the, be the caretaker at that point. Um, and I think about, you know, just actually putting stuff down in writing. Because you're yeah. around this child all the time. So we, Here we the call idiosyncrasies. it... Here's the things... In the special needs planning world, we call it the letter of intent. Mm, and it's mm-hmm. not a legal document by any means, mm-hmm. but it's basically an instruction manual. Mm. And so, you know, you think of it as, you know, let's use... Um, it reminds me of our financial love letter that we have in here. Yeah. You know, exactly. the thing that we have for people, the mm-hmm. clients we, we use, yeah. But let's say, you know, the, the child with the disability, you know, uh, is easily agitated and upset. And you know to, and, and you know oh yeah yeah to absolutely, changes absolutely. in their environment or anything, and it can be as simple as sure. Tuesday nights we watch a movie. Yes, period. yes, yes. Especially you when know, you're dealing with the autism spectrum, you'll exactly, have that. Exactly, exactly. But it is other other things too. You know, we have to eat dinner at four o'clock every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going to be chicken nuggets or whatever, you know, on Friday, mm-hmm. you know, all these little things, you know, and that nobody else would know. Right, right. And you want to write this stuff down and get it out there. You know, so special needs planning, that is something that if you're a family that has that type of a need, uh, you know, that is critical to get an attorney involved. Number one, absolutely. You have somebody that knows this stuff, and attorneys, you know, you, you want somebody that specializes. It and they know something about it, and they've done this work before. Yeah, they didn't do a DUI yesterday. Yeah, and and, <laughs> you know, and the financial advisor, you want to have, you want those designations, people that know this information. They've studied and they researched it, not somebody that's kind of wing it, and uh, doing it from an article that they read in Forbes magazine or something. <laughs> Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.